All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back right now. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nate. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Rooney. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And to Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that's in the game. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate, brought to you by CampusToCan.com. Just Chris Moxley and yours truly, Felix Sharp, on the show tonight on a Heisman Mode version of tonight's show. Did Dylan Royola make the right decision in committing to Georgia? What strategy should you be implementing in freshman drafts? And what players are we targeting after the first round? But, Chris, we start with a report from ESPN Today. The headline reads, EA Sports letting FBS players opt in to the 2024 video game. That's from Mike Rothstein at ESPN. A quote from that article on ESPN Today, and I quote, An ESPN Sports representative confirmed to ESPN on Wednesday that it has contracted with one-team partners to facilitate collegiate athletes' names and likenesses into the game, solving one of the major questions about college football's return to the video game space. Um, We've talked a little bit about this, Chris. Uh, Just to add a little bit there, Shannon Terry added that it sounds like the deal is about $500 for each kid that opts in. But I really think that this is the start of a snowball where players become more visible, more players become household names. Because just like when you're playing on Madden, you start to remember those players that are winning you games and you actually get to see their names on Madden. You didn't get that before uh, this newest version of the NCAA video game where you scroll back and you look who you're going to hot route to and you can see. Marvin Harrison Jr.'s name. You can see Emeka Buka's name. You can see Xavier Worthy's name, where before it would be wide receiver one, wide receiver 18, whatever it was. I just think that this is a this is like the first 
of of many dominoes to fall where college players not only become more marketable, but I think college fantasy, because of the money that the, that that is available, I think this is just one of the dominoes to where we get to college fantasy being mainstream. Oh, I agree. Uh, I was wondering, I actually Googled this. So there wasn't an answer. I said, what is the opposite of a canary in a coal mine, which is like portending disaster? It's a pelican follow, like following a fishing trawl. Like that, like that's what it is. This is the one of the key instances that is a breakthrough in college fantasy and college football becoming a nationalized game versus a very regional yeah. game. Because I still think that's what it's been for a long time. But with the money being invested to the sport, with the Big Ten going out and grabbing two California schools, with the SEC grabbing two Texas and Oklahoma, it's becoming a far more national sport. And I think with this game you're going to see kids from Idaho be able to play with whoever team they want, identify with the players better. Like there's just so much that can come out of this esports, which is a whole betting market in itself. And I, I think a lot of uh, potential there. And there's so many people who compete competitively at a high level in that. Yeah. Um, you introduced to essentially what is a new generation of video gamers, right? I don't think I, if you just take a, a decade worth of, generation I, these kids were what well, came out 10 years ago last you're getting a whole new market into college football um i also wonder if they'll try to do something creative like player specific celebrations similar to like those Fortnite dances that all the gen zers mm -hmm. love so much like how cool would it be if barvin harrison jr had his like specific celebration and like you saw kids doing it like in elementary school that'd be pretty sick um i just think it's a cool break like brand building opportunity for players. $500 is cheap in my it opinion, is. but I think you're going to get players to buy in anyway and just say, Hey, how awesome is it that I'm in this game that possibly I grew up playing or um, I played Madden and I have identification to XYZ player because he always caught me a touchdown. No, none of these kids. I don't think that they grew up playing the game, but that being said, it does have a cult like following. If you go try to buy NCA 14, it's like $400. If you find it somewhere. Oh yeah. You can't get a copy. It. You, you absolutely cannot get it. You mentioned the esports thing. I forgot about that. The fact that during the summertime Madden championships are televised yeah. on ESPN and other platforms. So, uh, I think that we're only a few years or maybe not even a summer away from that being the case with the NCAA game. And I and I think yeah. that this game itself could could develop a cult-like following because think of some of the popular non-EA sports games that have come out, non-EA sports video game, football games, excuse me, that have come out that have had really popular followings. Off the top of my head, NFL Blitz is one. Oh, NFL Blitz is great. NFL Blitz being able to knock people's heads off and all that because it was different. It was something different than what EA was providing with Madden. If they do it right, this will be the same thing where you get RPOs and you get, you know, big plays and block field goals and stuff like that. We may be able to, you know, recreate something that that 2001 to 2014, you know, how popular the NCAA video game was. I, I don't, I think they're just going to copy the mechanics yeah, and everything from yeah. the Madden franchise and just overlay it with the NCAA. But that probably doesn't matter all that much to, to be totally honest. It, it Like the things that are going to make that game unique are intrinsically different than the Madden franchise. So you're not creating a, you are creating an overlapping audience, but 
by doing so, you're introducing new individuals to the college space. And I think that's the big takeaway. So yeah, like I, I think it could be really exciting. Um, when it comes out, I might have to upgrade my PS2 to a, what's the current model PS5? I think PS5. I don't know. I don't. All right. I, I, PS5 is the one, but I, I just want to underscore this. It is no small thing that when you're playing the game, you're playing with Ohio State, you will be able to see Devin Brown. You'll be able to see Mayan Williams' name. You'll be able to see Kyle McCord, their name on the depth chart. There are still people that remember, you know, what duo in NBA Jam they loved playing with the most, whether it be Steve Kerr because he could kick the corner three. Like these, these video games that are unique and that are fun can really do um, works as far as in increasing the branding for an individual and I think that that branding is just going to expand eventually to uh, the college fantasy space. A guy that already has some branding of his own is becoming a household name is Dylan Royola, Chris Moxley. And uh, he committed to, to Georgia this week. Now I know that everybody else talked about it, they talked about it on campus life. They talked about it on back to Debbie. We get the show later in the week. And so it's our turn. And I wanted to ask the question, as to whether or not Dylan Royola made the right decision. Let's not forget that the, he commits to Georgia. The other options were Nebraska, Ohio State, who he was committed to, and USC. Well, what does he have in Georgia other than the fact they've been a, you know, a great overall team and won the last two, last two national championships? Um, since 2006, Georgia has had 24 five-star offensive players. Just four of those guys have gone on to become first-round draft picks. Isaiah Wilson in 2020, Sony, Sony Michelle in 2018, A.J. Green in 2011, and Matthew Stafford in 2009. They've had a number of high-profile quarterbacks. Aaron Murray was one, uh, Gunnar Stockton, of course, Justin Fields. None of those guys have panned out. Now, you can say that, oh, that's not Kirby Smart's fault or whatever. That's fine, but let's see what they have. Uh, Mike Bobo is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for this Georgia program, taking over for uh, Todd Munkin, who goes to the Baltimore Ravens. In 2021, he, so he was an offensive analyst for Georgia last year. In 2000, the year before that, in 2021, and uh, 2020, or excuse me, 2021, he was Auburn's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Auburn ranked 57th in pass rating, according to PFF, uh, 69th in offensive rating overall. 36th in run rating, uh, 73rd in passing yards per game. Okay. In 2020, Chris Moxley, you're familiar no, with this period. I, I am. He, he was offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for South Carolina. In 2020, they were 96th in total offense, 105th in passing offense. Um, I don't really know what we're supposed to make of Dylan Royola landing here, but you can't I understand what they've done on the field, winning the national championship, winning 60 to 7 or 14, whatever it was against TCU. But as far as developing offensive talent, not skill position talent, offensive talent, and putting those guys into the first round, they have not done that on a great level between 2009 and 2020. Only four, only four, uh, uh, first-round draft picks who were five stars and obviously never having developed a, you know, really capable first-round quarterback. And there's nothing that would suggest 
that they have that in Mike Bobo or whatever else is in their staff. So if you're looking at it objectively, this Georgia's was not a better option than USC or Ohio State and arguably Nebraska with uh, Matt Rule there, who's been in the NFL and hypothetically would be able to develop a quarterback. But it's definitely not better than Ohio State and USC competing there to be the starter for either Ryan Day or or Lincoln Riley. All right. I got I got a game for you to play. Okay. Who had more passing yards per game? Okay. And I'm going to list a couple teams and I want you to tell me who had more Ohio state or Georgia passing yards per game in 2020. Last year, last last year, last year, my guess, my guess is since you're asking the question, it would be Georgia. No, it's Ohio state. Come on. It's Ohio state. (laughs) We were just talking about this. Okay. Who had more passing yards, Texas tech and Zach Kitley's, 70% 70% neutral game script pass rate or Georgia. That one's definitely Georgia because Zach Kitley's program, his first year there, they were not the prolific offense that they thought we would that that we thought they would be. Who had more passing yards per game? Bryce Young, who went first overall in the NFL draft, mm. Alabama Crimson Tide, or Georgia? Alabama dealt with wide receiver issues last year. Georgia was better overall offensively, but more balanced. I think I'm going to go Alabama. No, it's it's Georgia. So Georgia ranked 13th in passing yards per game in the nation last year. Uh They were nine yards behind Ohio State and C.J. Stroud. They were above Alabama. They were above Texas Tech. They were above all of these teams that we associate high-end passing offenses with. This is an offense that can – deliver high-end seasons for players. And I don't like Mike Bobo either. I, I really don't. I had the first-hand experience with him. It was horrible. If he does a bad job this year, he's gone. Like I think Kirby Smart is intelligent enough to understand that Mike Bobo might, just might not be it. And so that doesn't scare me away from Dylan Rayola committing just because I think we're going to have a season where he might just get a new offensive coordinator who, if he's intelligent, could be someone high-flying like – it won't be Garrett Riley, but it will be akin to Garrett Riley being hired at Clemson after the disaster that we saw the last couple of years on offense. So I'm not super concerned because Todd Munkin was a creative offense coordinator who gave us a Stetson, Stetson Bennett insurance manager, accounting clerk, Stetson Bennett fish finished fourth in the Heisman voting. I believe Dylan Rayola could be a, high-end quarterback. The issue is skill position players, right? Skill position players just don't really get developed there. They recruit so many. Last year, 10 players had 100 more yard, hundred or more yards. Nobody had over 17.6% target share. You're not really getting to highlight players at, at, at that level. But I think quarterback can succeed in the system. The only question is, is he a product of the system? Which I think was the case with Stetson Bennett. Or will your stats ever match your potential? And I think they could based on what we've seen the last couple of years. I mean, if Georgia's going to rank top 15 in passing yards, I think you're going to get quality quarterback play, and you're going to get quality quarterback play. I think you're going to develop a player who could be good if that player is intrinsically good. Chris Moxley, I'm going to make you answer the question. It's yes or no. Did Dylan Royola make the right decision? Before <laughs> you answer that question, we're talking about the guy who is 
probably going to be the 101 in Campus Canton freshman dress next year, unless something he, unforeseen happens. Next likely, year's class yeah. is going to be there's two quarterbacks, there's no running backs that you care about and wide receivers. So as of right now, it looks like Dylan Royola, who's been compared to Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he's Patrick Mahomes. He's more of a lumbering move downfield thrower a la Ben Roethlisberger. I think I see that a little bit more. Um, but regardless, going to be the 101. The question, Chris Moxley, was, was this the right commitment? Yes or no? Answer the question. I mean, I personally would not have committed to the University of Georgia over Ohio State and USC, no. But you also have to remember that Malachi Nelson is the quarterback at USC as a freshman. So that I think he's a better prospect than Dylan Rayola was. So he might have to, he might only get one year. Well, yeah, he might only get one year starting. So you, so you have to go through this calculus as well. I don't think Georgia's a bad spot, is basically my stance. If, if, like, but I didn't think Ohio State brought in anybody this year that was impressive either. So he could have gone there and kind of bridged the gap. Like that's the that's the one destination I would have been happy with. I'm not sending him to freaking Nebraska to to eat <laughs> corn for every other meal under Marcus Satterfield. Like Satterfield's an idiot. He's just as bad as Mike Bobo was at South Carolina. Like you want to talk about horrendous offense coordinators? I mean, Matt Rule hired one of the worst out there. Kirby, Kirby Smart's track record, I think, speaks for itself in picking Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. He's got Brock Vandergriff there now. Brock Vandergriff is going to transfer at the end of this year um, he if, he doesn't, if he does it sooner. Uh, he's got Gunnar Stockton there. I don't know if Gunnar Stockton was a high four-star or five-star. He was he was borderline. He, he Yeah, he was borderline. Neither one of those guys appear headed for first-round draft capital. But I will say this. I think, well – so, so, uh, uh, oh shoot, who's the quarter? Who's the quarterback? It's uh, Carson Beck. Carson Beck has yeah. what two years left? I think there's a small yeah, chance so. that he declares after this year if he just goes game busters and gets like a second round or third round grade. There's a chance that he declares, but he could st- stick around for two years, and then you're probably talking about Dylan Royola competing for the starting position thereafter. I guess he would be a second second year or third year player. If, if Dylan Riola is as good as he's being hyped to be, he should be competing his second year. His year his year one is going to be here to sit, essentially. He needs to compete by second year. And if he if he's not doing so, then he's just not that good of a player. By the way, I said that uh so on average, on average, 21% of five stars go on to be first round draft picks. Uh, Alabama between 2010 and 2019, 48%. 48% of their five stars went on to be uh, first-round draft picks. I think those stats came from sporting from sporting news. So, um, all right. I think that's all I got on Dylan Royola. This is an independent company, folks. We don't grow unless we get support from people like you. There are plenty of ways to support us. You can go and visit the website, campus2k.com. You can become a member there. You can like this video. I want to get this video up to 30 likes. Um, you can buy one of the guides. If you are in Campus to Canton Leagues, I have had some conversations with people this week, Chris, that still don't understand that this game is available, that you can play in a C2C where you have a whole college team and a whole NFL team. And when your college players declare for the NFL draft, they're added to your NFL roster. We've got all of the content that you need to succeed in these leagues. And we're only uh, adding content 
as much as we can and as quick as we can. The Debbie guide was released at the beginning of this month. The freshman guide. I'm in freshman drafts right now when we're about to get into some freshman draft content. That is available uh, at campskin.com for $20. Go ahead, get both of them. Or become an NIL subscriber yearly and you get all three guides. The freshman and supplemental draft guide, the Debbie guide, and the CFF guide, the soon to be released, I think, uh, at the beginning of July. That's going to be released at the beginning of July. If you become an NIL yearly subscriber, you get all three of those as a part of your membership. So figure out which way that you can support us, and we really appreciate it, even if it's just subscribing to this YouTube channel and liking this video because we have these in-depth conversations about depth charts, who's going where, the timeline for a quarterback to get on the field, all that stuff every single day on this podcast feed on this YouTube channel. I want to get into – oh, by the way, we have not had a rate or, rate or review on Apple Podcasts in like a, like three or four weeks. Somebody hell, help people? us out if you like what it is that we're doing. Go ahead and give us a rate on a review on Apple Podcasts and we can move up the chart in that algorithm. That's called being a freeloader, just if you want to look it up in the dictionary. Chris, you and I are in a freshman draft in a league uh, together. You've won the championship the first two years of the league. Back, yes, back to back first two years. Tr- yeah, you were going to mention it anyway. I know you were going to I, I was. Yes. Um, we're in a freshman draft, and you can tell that there are folks out there that are either researching on their own or just generally aren't um, consuming our content. I want to go through the first sixteen-team league superflex tight end premium. Sixteen teams, so we're in sixteen-team leagues. And you got to start two quarterbacks on the NFL or super flex on the NFL side. So 16 teams. Wow. It must be hard to win in back-to-back years. <laughs> All right. So let, here is the first round. Dante Moore, Arch Manning, uh, Zachariah Branch, Malachi Nelson, Jonte Cook, Cedric Baxter, Jackson Arnold, Nico Iamalieva, Jerron Dickey, Bakai Lemon, Justice Haynes, Carnell Tate, Hakeem Williams, Cameron Selden, Brandon Ennis, Roderick Roderick Robinson there in the first round. I think the one pick to me, Chris, that kind of stood out is is Cam Selden, taken there at pick 14 by Kyle Kyle, who is a friend of the show, uh, who does produce his own content. He, I don't, I, I would say him going ahead of Brandon Ennis, Roderick Robinson, uh, that's, um, those are probably the two picks of that. I was like, okay, uh, Kyle going to reach for the high ceiling super athlete in Cam Seldon, but Cam Seldon- I do believe I I, I want to say it, Kyle can correct me, shoot me DM if I'm wrong, or just blast me on Twitter. I don't care. I get I'm used to it. Um, I think he's a Tennessee fan as well, so he might oh, be that's right. He might be paying extra attention to Tennessee practice reports, potentially know something that we don't know. Or he's just a homer and taking this guy too early. So you can you can rest me either way. How early is this too early for Cam Seldon ahead of Brandon Ennis ahead ahead of Roderick Robinson? Are those the only? I mean, are we just quibbling here? Um, we're, I mean, we're, he does have a very high yeah, ceiling. We're kind of quibbling. So I would not take him above Ennis Robinson or Ruben Owens. But I mean, this is the range he's going in. Like he's a top fourteen yeah. pick in a twelve team league. In my in my going, opinion. In a 12-team league, he's going between anywhere between the beginning and middle of the second round. Uh, 
Speaking of that second round, it went – let's bring it up here. Um, Ruben Owens, Quentin Joyner, the freshman running back at USC. Kendrick Rescano. Res- How do you say that? I think it's Rescano. 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 Jalen Hale, the freshman wide receiver at Alabama. Malik Benson, the tra- the junior transfer wide receiver at Alabama. Cordell Russell, that was a player. It. Yeah, a- Cordell Russell, a player that I was targeting there, uh, t- wide receiver at TCU. Um, uh, Nichols Harbor goes here at pick the 207 in the 16-team lead. Uh, Jane Rashada, the quarterback at Arizona State, who was what? Committed to Florida and Miami, Florida State, every single every single school in Florida. Eugene literally Wilson. Fumbled, literally fumbled the bag. Yes. Eugene Wilson, the freshman wide receiver at Florida. Malachi Coleman, that was my pick uh, here at the 211, the freshman wide receiver at Nebraska. Marcarius White, the sophomore at Tennessee, who's going to be taking that um, Jalen Hyatt role. Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver at Notre Dame. Aiden Childs, Oregon State. Dorian Singer, the uh, Arizona to USC transfer. And then, Chris, your last pick here of uh, the second round, Joe Milton. Um, this I'm not going to lie, Chris. This draft hurt me a little bit because you know who's killing this draft? Absolutely killing this draft. It, it if, is, you, if you have five picks in the first two rounds, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like if you don't kill it, then you should be relentlessly mocked. You should. By so, the way. Uh, Austin is killing this draft. He's got Jonte Cook, um, Brandon Ennis, Malik Benson. Which was a good value. Aiden Childs, and there's one more that I'm missing. There's one more that I'm missing. It's making me feel a certain kind of way. I think if if anything that I've learned, and this is my first freshman draft that I've, that, that I've been in this season, my first real freshman draft. Me too. Is just to have that conviction and and don't be afraid to go get your guy because I took Malachi Coleman at the two eleven. He took Squirrel White at the two twelve, and my heart sank. My heart sank because I was sitting there pitter pattering, and he, you know, Squirrel White was towards the top of my my queue. He when Aiden Childs was taken, my heart sank. You know, Sam Levitt still on the board. Uh, a, a player that you know has a good skill set, but going to Michigan State just doesn't make sense to me. So, if anything, I've learned from this this early freshman draft, this first one, is to have some conviction and don't be afraid to go and get your guy because we don't know what we're doing anyway. These are freshmen. These are freshmen. I wish the draft was a little bit more along because I don't pick again until three sixteen. And I really want to talk about the guys that I was going to take there. It's hard. We can't do it. <laughs> right? So, like, we can't do it. The, uh, Joe Milton. So, I love getting Roderick Robinson at 16. Like, I like I felt really good about that. I tried to trade up. I think I texted you. I te- I sent mm-hmm. offers to a couple other people. I was like, hey, I'll make your worthwhile. And you were taking pains no matter what. Um, but I tried to trade up for the, I think, the Lemon pick and the Jurion Dickey picks. Um, and maybe even the Nico pick. And I was giving up my 116 and next year's first to get into that range to take Justice Haynes. Uh, and like I felt really good about doing that. But I'm fine getting Robinson at 16. Uh, I think that's fine value. And then Joe Milton, it's 16 league, 16 team league. You have to start quarterbacks. I think that he has upside for Debbie. I think he'll be productive. Uh, I didn't love the pick. I really wanted to go freshman instead. But people disagree with you on Joe Milton. Like they think that he is 
uh, does has no NFL ability, even though he has the size and we just we just we just saw Anthony Richardson go fourth overall. He's not, and Anthony you're going to tell me that Joe Joe Milton just has no NFL upside. He's he's definitely in a better offense than Anthony Richardson was in last year. So I'm I'm on board with you that there is the potential, but there are some people that say you didn't for, for, that this is a CFF only pick, and even the CFF potential isn't really there with Joe Milton. I'm not necessarily. I think that there is potential some yes from some. Uh, NFL potential there with Joe Milton, given his size and athleticism and the offense that he's playing. In. He's, so. he's he's Anthony Richardson 2.0, essentially like they're the same size. Stop, he's not stop, quite man. the same athlete, but he's pretty <laughs> he's, darn close. No, he is not. He is not Anthony Richardson 2.0. I'm just I'm, um, I'm, listen. I just I'm trying to just sell myself. Give me give me like a 30 seconds to to live with the pick. Nichols Harbor, who is half football player, half wide receiver, half tight end, half. Uh, track star, he goes here at the 207. Is that too high for him? So the players that went right after him, uh, Jaden Rashada, I would much have, rather have Nichols Harder than Jaden Rashada. Richard Young, I would much rather have Nichols Harder than, than Jaden Rashada. Uh, Eugene Wilson, I think I'd, I'd much rather have Nichols Harbor. I mean, there are some really athletic guys. The guys that I would consider over Nichols Harbor. Uh, Malachi Coleman, Squirrel White, Jaden Greathouse, Aiden Childs, I think those are the guys taken in the second round that I would probably prefer over over Harbor. But, you know, you can't fault somebody for reaching somebody who's a 97th percentile athlete. Yeah, and we've talked about him on on the show previously about how he's going to essentially pursue track as much as he can to qualify for the Paris Olympics in 2020. 2024? Yeah, 2024? Um. So we'll know if he qualifies before then, and I think we'll have a good idea of, and he'll probably bulk up for football if that's the case. But he's a wide receiver, and he's not that like he's a tight end on offense at best. Like I, so the uh, I got to be honest on the show, I guess right. Um, at two sixteen, I was going to take Deuce Robinson, who's in a very similar situation, um, tight end who wants to play baseball, and I think he's actually a tight end. I think he's better than Nichols Harbor is at like actually being a football player, but it's just banking on these athletic guys who are tied up somewhere else. Like I think if Harbor was committed to football and he's playing tight end and Deuce Robinson was committed to football, I think they would probably go higher than they are. And maybe Mm -hmm. Rob, maybe the, um, I think Robinson would definitely go in the second round or probably, probably earlier, but yeah, I just, I don't hate it because I just like the upside of, of the pick. Yeah. I was actually going to say, as far as strategies go, and I do want to talk about strategies moving into stre- freshman drafts. I, again, these are these are freshmen. These are guys who have not played college football yet. Yes, we believe that we are projecting them properly, but it feels safe. I mean, there are some guys who are elite athletes who could run track, who could do other things. Deuce Robinson is one. Sam Levitt, I think, is one. Is an excellent athlete. Of course, Harbor. Cam Seldon, excellent athlete. Malachi Coleman, Zachariah Branch. There are more guys. I only wanted to talk about the guys that have been like drafted or close to being drafted in this draft because I don't want to mention other names. But Did you just delete a name off the list that was on there earlier? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm pretty I did sure you did. No, I'm I pretty sure you did. I don't but I, I won't tell the people. I won't tell the people. But if you're going to miss, 
you know, missing with a guy who is an 80th percentile athlete, a 90th percentile athlete is, is probably the way to do it. Now you can go to campskin.com and check out the athletic comparisons tool just to double check your research in the middle of your freshman drafts. I would highly recommend that. Another strategy, Chris, that I think I'm going to implement in other drafts is I am going to try to trade up into the mid first for one of those top five quarterbacks. And, and here's why. One, I think that this quarterback is the, 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 the top five. I would even go the top five. And then you got Levitt, Childs, uh, Sellers. I mean, there are guys, I mean, there are, there are quarterbacks who are very, very good in this class. I don't like the early look at the 2024 class or the running back class. It's looking like a wide receiver heavy class. Um, and, and especially in this league, this is a 16-team league. Quarterbacks come at a premium. Um, Dylan Royola is going to be the 101. Jaden Davis is committed to Michigan. You got one quarterback committed to Georgia, another quarterback committed to Michigan. It's not looking like a great quarterback class. Sophie's choice. I would I would consider taking my second and mo- and my 2024 first and moving up for that fifth quarterback who slides. It could be more. It could be Nelson. It could be Arnold. It could be Nico. Like right around the six, five, six, seven range, you can make that trade in a lot of leagues, and uh, that was that's something that I would consider. That was my number one piece of advice as well. Uh, trading to the top seven. So the four quarterbacks, in in my opinion, uh, a little bit lower on Nico, but I mean you can sense eight if you want to, right? I mean. It's fluid branch and then Justice Haynes and Cedric Baxter. Like I want to be in the top eight and I'm willing to move that 2024 first given what we know. And we have access to this information because we have a show on this network called the official where they are already reviewing 224 prospects, posting stuff on Twitter about it. We have access to a bunch more information. And I say we, as in us and y'all, I know the 2024 class is not as strong as this year's class. So I'm willing to move the first year out just to get a high end option. And I think the second and the first is a good offer to make somebody to get into that upper half of the first round. This class feels exceptionally strong. The first round, we got three running backs. who We all believe in two, two of whom are like really high end in Baxter and Haynes. You got the wide receiver. You got between cook, between cook, Tate and branch. Very high-end wide receivers, and then really five quarterbacks who are going to get on the field early, who have elite skill sets. I mean, it's a very, very strong first round. So we're on the same page there. The other thing that I cannot emphasize enough as far as strategy for your freshman drafts is going in and setting up your queue so that when you are on the clock, you don't have a whole lot of hesitation because you've thought about this before. Not only that, but you have – I mean – there are 133 FBF teams now. Some, I think it's 133. Yeah. You pretty much have to go through each one and see that there is not some guy out there that you would believe is actually hasn't been rostered and could be taken. Squirrel White, not a freshman, but available in a lot of places. He is a he's probably he's a wide receiver one in CFF. He's a little bit smaller than Jalen Hyatt, but given his production. I wouldn't be surprised if he's taken in the 2-2 Atwell range. We just saw 2-2 Atwell. Yeah. 2-2 Atwell, Dwayne Estridge. There's probably – there's another small receiver that I'm thinking of that was just drafted really highly. Squirrel White could be on that, Nathaniel on that trajectory. Nathaniel – yeah, Nathaniel yeah. Dell, another one. 
Um, and 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 Tutu Atwell, or excuse me, uh, Squirrel White is going to be that productive in the SEC, whereas uh, 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 Tank Dell is in G5. Yeah. So th- that's like that applies to every single league, dude, because they're all yeah, different. Right. Yeah. So like Devontae Walker isn't available in a bunch of leagues, depending on what the waiver situation looked like. Riley Leonard is available in a bunch of leagues. Like those are players who, depending on the waiver format, are available. And you have to at least look a, because you don't want to be the you don't want to be the dude who passes up on Devontae Walker. You didn't, look. You didn't just because yeah. you didn't know that he was there. Um when this draft started, I had like 85 players in my queue. Now I have like 60, and I will go back through, and I will add players, and I will sort them. And I will do that through all of my all of my leagues where the drafts haven't started. I have about 80-plus players in my queue. So um, take the time. You don't, you don't want to be caught like, oh, that player was available. Austin was – I heard Austin say that Bo Nix was available uh, in, in, uh, in one league. Now, I feel like Nixon a no-waivers no league. It could be, but could be. if Bo an NFL player, I don't know, but he's going to be a quarterback one. He's going to be a quarterback one there. So uh, any other, like, strategy tips or advice that you would uh... – um, I guess I have just echoing the athlete portion. Like, even if they don't develop 100% in college, the NFL has shown that they're willing to take risks on these guys just because they think they can mold them. And I don't think that's a bad – like – DK Metcalf came into the NFL as not like a very established route runner technician of the position, but it didn't matter because he was a freak athlete who could learn enough to do damage. And he still is like underdeveloped for a wide receiver. It doesn't matter because he's a freak. Um, Situations can also change dramatically. And so a player that you think is talented, I think you should just take uh, is like Evan Stewart early in the offseason last year comes to mind of a player who we, downgraded because of situation. But then I think we came around on because we were just like, okay, he's really freaking good. And now we're viewing him as a top option at the position. Um, it's like some even have him as wide receiver one for his respective class. But if Jimbo got fired, they hired somebody good, intelligent, maybe, I don't know. I don't like Jimbo. Um, an office coordinator who was at least creative. Like how fast are we changing our opinion on some of these players? And so it's, it, it's so flexible where a player can enter the portal so easily that you just bet on talent more than I think you would otherwise, given the flexibility with all those different uh, factors going into it. So if you think a player is good, just draft the player and then figure it out later. I think is I think is a legitimate just trust the process kind of move. And that's that could have been a mistake I made drafting Malachi Coleman over squirrel white i know squirrel white is good i saw him play in the goal bowl game i saw him play at least uh, what two games during the season and he's going to be the focal point of that offense like getting the certainty the got players that you have conviction on i gotta get better i gotta get a better that which is why doing the mock drafts that we have available through uh pj it's really it's important it's important to do those so you can um just get those uh uh exercise those muscles as, as far as what the value is chris in dynasty, in dynasty, traditional dynasty, trading back to attempt to get additional firsts—that's a common strategy. Do you think that it's a viable strategy in C two Cs? Trading back to a multiple firsts, like supplemental firsts, absolutely. Well, yeah, it, it depends where the tier break is. Obviously, in every class, right? Like, I don't want to trade out of a tier, but especially this year, like, I'd love to add an additional verse for this season. 
Yeah, even if I'm just trading back. Like I don't, like I don't think the gap between Dante Moore and Justice Haynes is gigantic. I mean, it's like there's a gap, but I mean, a first would certainly solve that problem for me. I, you know, I, I, I guess it depends on the class and how much certainty we have on the subsequent class. I want as much in, into this particular class as I can get because I feel strong, really strong about the first two rounds and even some players whose value might slide a little bit. Um, I don't, I think for the time being, I am trying to sit tight more than, than trading back or I could trade up, but trading back, I think I'm just going to sit tight and take players that I have conviction on. I'd rather I trade want- up in a C2C in general, by the way. Like I, I really don't like trading back in CTCs, uh, especially in startup drafts. Like I will, if I can get like four picks in the first two rounds and just not pick between rounds like six and twelve, that's totally fine with me. I don't care. Like I, I, I think that's the best way to approach drafts. By the way, that includes supplementals because talent is so concentrated at the high end. Where like, what do I care if I'm picking the, between the fourth and the ninth round? Who cares? <laughs> There's always a question of you know how value valuable a freshman first round pick is so i want to throw to you a couple of names and you tell me if you'd rather have the 2023 freshman first round pick or this nfl player got it okay so uh the supplemental first or aaron jones green bay running back running Aaron, aaron jones are we just assuming this is like randomly assigned let's say it's between uh this first is between five and seven and the pot is split evenly. The pot is split, split evenly. Supplemental first. I think so, too, because between five and seven, I might get one of those quarterbacks. Yeah. And and Justice Haynes is there. Carnell Tate is there. Uh, I think I'd rather have that. Supplemental first or Christian Watson? For oh, that's a lot team. easier, the supplemental first for me. Really? Christian yeah, Watson, wide receiver, he's going to have. Watson's he's going to be the that. number one wide receiver for just, Jordan Love. I just don't think he's all that good. I'm not sure if Jordan Love is good either. So I, this is harder for me because I think I would. If it was a late, if it was, would you rather have Roderick Robinson or Christian uh, Watson? Roderick Robinson, have Christian but Watson. I don't like Christian no, Watson. I'd, I'd I'd rather have Christian Watson. Supplemental first or Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Would you rather have Malachi Nelson or Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. I, I tend to agree, but it depends on how competitive my NFL team is. It just seems a difference, difference maker at the position, like, and you know you're going to get it at least for a, yes. at least for right. a year, probably. Too. Right. Right. Supplemental first or Devin Achain, who was just drafted first. by them. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, two more here. Well, I, I actually know the answer to these now. Supplemental, a late supplemental first or Geno Smith. So we're talking about the range of Brandon Ennis, yeah. Roderick Robinson, Jerion Dickey, it, or Geno Smith. If the pot is split, I think I can get a better college difference maker with NFL, like higher NFL upside than Geno Smith. So I would, I would take the first. Last, last one. So that same range, you know, between picks eight, eight and twelve in the first round. That supplemental first or Derrick Henry. I want the I want the first. I yeah, I would think I want the first. I I, I think like he we saw him hit a little bit of a wall last year and yeah. it could just be a disaster moving forward. So I'd at least take the guy with more upside. 
People ask those questions all the time, and I think the best way to answer them is to check out the C200 rankings at the website where college players and NFL players are ranked together in one uh, 200-person ranking. That'll give you some sense of value. Um, Let's see. What else? Okay. Here's, Here's a question. I think that the, the the strength of this class is is wide receiver and quarterback. Running back, we've got Justice Haynes, Cedric Baxter. Uh, I want to have high exposure to those guys, but do you have any guys after those three that you're like, I need to have high exposure to these guys, you know, after round one? I, I think Ruben Owens almost exists in tier of his own between like tier one and tier two. Like I think he's closer to tier one. So like I think he belongs in the Haynes Baxter Robinson tier more so than he does like the Cam Seldon Dentavious Braswell tier, which is the two guys that I want in tier two. Uh, I really like Braswell. I, I'm higher on him than I think our supplemental guide was. I think Austin likes him. And I, I know big wide receiver guy Matt likes him. Uh, he's really fast. He's a track star. He has good athleticism. The biggest question in his game is can he catch? He caught a couple passes um, in practice where he looked pretty good in the spring. I, I don't know um, like how excited I am for him, but he's a guy that I have not been leaving drafts without. And then Cam Seldon, just because like, yeah, freak athlete. Yeah, the ceiling is not. Cam Seldon did not look comfortable playing running back there in the spring game. In, in my opinion, I know he scored in that game, but he looked more like an athlete playing running back than a running back playing running back. Uh, Big time Browns ads in the chat. Basul Tootin, Basul Tootin, former, uh, NCA and T transfer to Virginia Tech is a player taken in round five plus of your supplemental draft. We have picked that wins your league. I, Chris, you're the CFF guy. Were you familiar with Basil Tootin? Yeah, Chris K, um, who like is on our CFF team and does some DFS work for us in the season, is a Virginia Tech fan, and he's really excited for Tootin. So he's a player that I've been taking very late. Add to your watch list. Add to your watch list. So I'm running backs that I am looking at. Uh, Isaiah Agustave going to um arkansas arkansas seems to be successful with these running backs who are like more wide receiver builds and agastave is no different he's also six foot two uh david johnson body type a taller back um athletic i I really like him i know that they got rashad debinion there and aj green i kind of think that i think there's a chance green leaves after this year do you like Um, rashad debinion I think so. I think you I have do, to give I do too. I was just I was just curious because I, I think that Augustave and him might be like a one A one B next year. Yeah. And given the way he played last year, I think he, and he was a true freshman and he kind of he uh played ahead of AJ Green. I think you have to he's better than well, AJ. For, I think he's better than AJ Green. Well he's a different for what it's worth. Debinion is built like a bell cow with two hundred and fifteen pounds, and AJ Green is what, 180 pounds. So they're different players. Uh Agustave is like six to 195 pounds, so he needs to add he needs to get to 210, 220 pounds plus. He has the I think he has the frame to do it. He's one. Uh Caleb Hicks Hicks at OU. I think this is somebody Austin likes too. Good center of gravity, played at Denton in Texas. Um, good first step burst, low set, low center of gravity. Hard to bring down if you're not going to form tackle. I really like him. Uh, I thought I had another one here. I guess I don't. I guess I don't. Um, all right. Before you bring how, Barnabas how deep do you, Wait, how deep do you want to go with these Well, names? I love Khalifa Keith. 
who's going to be, you know, Cam Seldon's backup there uh, at Tennessee. He's a bigger one, a big, you know, he's one of these guys who can be 230, 240 pounds, play somewhere in there. Or if his coaching staff wants him to be more explosive, he'd be lean and play at 220 pounds. I like Khalif McKeith, but he's probably like a 15th round pick or something around there. That's a deeper one for me. What What do you got? Uh, Keith Willis Jr. at Louisiana Tech. Um, like supplemental pick, right? But he was a guy that I think, again, a uh, big wide receiver guy really likes. And so, you know, like those types of players at least have some interesting CFF upside long term. And then if they do break out at a lower level, they could potentially transfer out. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So one, one, one more question here. And I know that we're in the middle of freshman draft, so it's hard to address these questions because I'll be as honest as possible. We're, we're playing with people who are listening to what it is that we're saying and uh, who it is that we value. But so Mox, just give me one player with a post first round ADP that you just can't leave your freshman supplemental drafts. And I, I think Aiden Childs and, and Lenora Sellers are like cheat answers. We've talked about them so much. Yeah. They would be obvious ones. So give I'll me, give you, I'll give you a different one. Yeah. Cause I obviously had sellers on my list too. And we've already talked about Cam Selden who apparently is going essentially going in the first round at this point so, or like borderline. So I don't want to include him. What about Andrew Rapplier, the tight end at Penn state who goes pretty late in most drafts. I trust the strength and conditioning program there basically implicitly um, plus a Penn state tight end. And I think he's just a good player overall, regardless of where he committed. I think I would be in on him. So he's a player that I, uh, I find myself drafting a lot above consensus. He, he was a player that I briefly considered at the two sixteen, and I knew it was too high for him. (laughs) I was considering these Robinson too. And this quarterback class is relatively, excuse me, tight end class is relatively strong. I mean, it probably goes at least five or six deep in the guys that on the yeah. recruiting team that we actually like. I think my answer is Tennessee wide receiver Nathan Leacock, who was a late riser in the um, recruiting rankings. He is a longer, lankier wide receiver who's going to play either the Cedric Tillman or Bruce uh, Brew McCoy role in this offense. Now I just saw something from on three talking about freshmen that you need to take stock in, in the Tennessee freshman class. And Nathan Leacock was not mentioned. Um, that, that, that scares me. There was a, uh, was Cam Seldon mentioned. That's a good question. No, I think it was, no, I don't think Cam Seldon was mentioned either. Even uh, though Cam Seldon got all the playing time that he did. I didn't do that. It was just before we were starting to record that I saw that article. And so I was just looking for the names that was hot were highlighted and Nathan Leacock were not, was not there, but we're talking about, you know, probably a player that most aren't paying attention to seventh, eighth, eighth round. You can get this guy who I'm buying in not only to the skill set but also to Josh Heupel's offense. Yeah. Josh Heupel's offense is just one that we're going to have to get used to buying into like Ohio state, like USC, like Alabama, when they're good, um, you, you want pieces of that offense. So, uh, Nathan Leacock is one of mine. All right. Um, let's see. Let's bring in let's bring in Barnabas here. We haven't had Barnabas in for a long time. We bring Barnabas in to tell us how we did with our I tried to add facts today, Barnabas. I know that you <laughs> I did, I did this too. Show telling us that you're the fact checker and this is a, a, a show that only uses opinions. I tried to support my positions with facts today. How do we do? 
Yeah, so, uh, so let's start from the beginning of the show and work our way forward. Forwards. Um, oh, let's, talk, let's talk about some you know, less, uh, less questions and more just fun facts, I think, today. Uh, I just wanted, wanted to point out some prospects specs that came Bobos' system um, throughout, throughout the years. And uh, you can take from that what you will um, in, the, in that uh, Bobo, Bobo he first took over as offensive coordinator at Georgia, kind of inherited Matthew Stafford. And so we all know how Matthew Stafford. I don't really need to recap that, recap that much. Uh, also, also in that group of skill position players, there's Noah Marino, Marino, Eugene, and Mohamed Masakoy, who I think think uh, you know some people will, may remember for briefs in the NFL. Um, and then I, I a confession, I was an Aaron Murray stand back in the day. Um, and I, that, was, that was very early in the you know career of old the Oracle, but. Um, Keep in mind that over four years, Aaron Murray had 13,000 uh, passing yards. Um, when beginning his career, especially, he was going to people that, that I haven't heard of. Maybe you guys have. Um, and then not at the three-headed redheaded running back model that Bobo had towards the end of his career at or end of, end of his first stint at Georgia in Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb, and Sony Mitchell. All, all who uh, had over 1,000 yards Every uh, average over a thousand yards a season, except for Sony Dell, who averaged nine nine hundred. Um, and then during his time at Colorado State, we we had Shard Higgins, Michael Gallup, Alton Williams. So so some wide receiver looks looks coming from a UDFA that never played in the NFL. And Nick Stevens finished with eight four hundred eighteen yards over three seasons uh, at Colorado State. So take that as you will. And then Trey Ride also played two two seasons under Mike, Mike Bobo with 649 yards. And and uh, forget his one year in Auburn uh, was Bo's junior year where he, he next threw for 2,294 yards and 11 touchdowns, touchdowns, three interceptions. So uh, so we so we have some highs and some low lows. Here. Um, and, and, and do not adjust just... your your radio. We are picking up the echo from Barnabas. So, but Barnabas, power through. Hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, that's some hard hardware issue. Um, so we, we try to compare Dylan Raiola and Malachi Nelson here. And so um, um, we looked at their high school stats real quick, just to, to look at what kind of kind of profile, profile they're coming out with. Um, this is probably a, a path for future uh, research <laughs> in this area in, ter- in terms of high production translating to the uh, college level. In 40 games, Malachi Nelson averaged, averaged just under 100 yards a game, game um, at a 62% completion rate, 105 touchdowns, and it's an added 503 rushing yards. While Raiola has practically no rushing yards, but 11 tough and touchdowns ring, um, in 24 games where he threw for uh, an average of 240 yards per game. So um, there's something to be to be said about their longevity points from from freshman year through junior year. This is both of their junior year, uh, freshman junior year stats. stats. Um, whether there's that production value that there's there's value in terms of having things started longer, uh, but there is also you know I think we said about <clears throat> having more production in the, in those games. And then finally, finally I had to touch on Josh Heupel. You know, said we're buying into Josh Josh Heupel, but maybe we need to, we need to pump the brakes a little bit on someone someone like Cam Selden here um so so it's from starting from utah state to, to now hear me out hear me out hear me out starting from his time at utah state state until now chipel's running backs his his two running backs have always gotten right right around 300 touchdowns um but but the f- fact of the matter is this that running back one one has gotten about three-fifths of those touches it's been an almost even split 
um, where this, the second running gets almost uh, at least two-thirds of the touches of the running back one, one in that offense. Um, the only, only exceptions to the 300-touch touch rule was 2019 UCF, which was the Dylan Gabriel year one, and his, his for Tennessee, which was, was partially pinned in Hooker, also had 616 rushing yards. Um, um, and so Hooker... Hendon Hooker in 2022 had had 62 fewer carry, carries than he did in 2021. So um, that probably factors, factors in running back usage a little bit there. But 300 touches, but of those 300, uh, running back one never had, had 200 of those. Uh, Barnabas, thank both of you. We thank both of you, Barnabases, uh, for giving us the <laughs> give us giving us those fact checks. All right. Um, that is going to I think that's going to be our show for tonight. Make sure you support the website and the podcast feed. Leave a five-star rate in review. We'll get Barnabas's audio uh, corrected here for the next time. Um, that's it. That's it. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreit. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Chris Moxley and Barnabas Lee, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.